The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Hey Amen. What a beautiful singing, wonderful time with our children. Uh, I'm not sure if you brought your Bible tonight, but if you didn't, there's a Bible right in the pew back in front of you. And uh, so you feel free to pull that out and act like you can read in this light, and I'll do the same thing, okay? Uh, Luke chapter number 2 in the New Testament. This is a classic uh, Christmas text right here, Luke chapter 2. And uh, I'll read verse 1 through 7 for us, and then just make a, a few remarks for us this evening. Luke chapter number 2. Would you stand with me one more time for in honor of the reading of the Word of God? and. I know you just got settled, but it'll keep the blood flowing. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 1 through 7. Let me read this for you out loud, and you read along with me silently. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabitants of the earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And notice verse number 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes, or swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray together. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for your kindness and grace and mercy that is always showered upon us. We thank you for this beautiful text that reminds us of the incarnation, the bringing forth into the world of the Son of the living God, God and man coming together in one person, uniquely the Lord Jesus Christ. So we celebrate Him, we love Him, we thank You for Him. I pray now that You'd help us to think clearly and carefully, have a few thoughts to meditate on tonight and tomorrow as we celebrate the birth of the Lord. In Christ's name we pray, Amen. Well, I said yesterday, if you are in church yesterday, I'd said that uh, tonight I would uh, maybe say something that you haven't, um, haven't heard before, and uh, I'll get to, uh, get to that in a minute, uh, but it's in no way my desire to uh, deconstruct the, uh, the structures of our Christmas story and all of the tradition that goes along with that. But one thing I do have to say about that last song, I promise you that if Jesus was a human baby like every other baby, he cried in the night. Can I get an amen from somebody who got a baby somewhere? If Jesus didn't cry when he was a baby, I got a bone to pick when I get there, because mine have. That's not what I want to deconstruct for you tonight, nor do I want to do that. I simply just want to give you um, two or three thoughts from verse number 7 for us to meditate and pray about and think about as we, uh, as we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Quite simply, look at verse number 7. I'll just go one at a time. Look what it says here. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. 
Now, uh, when it says firstborn here, obviously it's speaking about uh, chronological order. Is the first son that Mary had. She uh, bore the Christ child into the world uh, as a virgin, and so this is her firstborn, and yet wrapped within that very phrase of the firstborn, you can't hardly read through the rest of the New Testament and miss this kind of terminology, that Jesus Christ is the first begotten from the dead. You see, in His very birth, it is the foreshadowing and foretelling of His death. And when Jesus died on the cross, He was the firstborn among the dead. That is, that when Jesus died on the cross, He went down into the grave. And every other human being in all the world always stays dead because we have deep sin in our own life and it holds us in the grave. But Jesus was the first to rise from the grave in His own power because He had no sin in Him. And therefore, death could not hold him in the grave. And because Jesus was the firstborn, that means that all of the rest of the children that are by faith the children of God, we too will rise again one day. Not because of how good we are, not because of what we've done, not because of who we know or what church we're a part of or our lineage or tradition, but because Jesus Christ is the first begotten, the firstborn, He is the one that would go to the cross and die for us and be raised again so that every man, woman, and boy, and girl in all the world who would trust Jesus Christ could have that everlasting hope. Wonderful truth. And I think about that night that Mary brings her firstborn into the world, and there she is holding the baby, the Christ child, and uh, she is pondering all of this. And if you have been asking the question for many years, Mary, did you know? No, I want to assure you she did know. Right? Because they, the angels told her what was going to happen. The Spirit of God brought forth the Christ child, and she pondered all these things, so the text says, in her own heart, in her own life, and she therefore understood that in time, the child that she brought into the world and loved and held and had from God the Father would die for the sins of those who would believe. What a wonderful truth that Jesus Christ was the firstborn that day in the manger. And He was the firstborn from the grave. And for every person in the world that trusts Him, we too are the begotten children of God. Look back down at the verse. Let me give you a couple of more things. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And notice here, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, or she wrapped him in clothes. And that's, uh, that's very, uh, very familiar terminology even today when a, when a baby is born. I, I, I call it, Connie laughs at me, I call it making a baby burrito. You know, you put the blanket down, you put the little baby on there, and you fold that one side and tuck it under the shoulder as hard as you can, come from the bottom side, put it in, turn that other side over, and you've got a baby burrito, right, ready to go. Some, uh, somebody told me one time that babies like to, be, uh, like to be held tightly and swaddled like that because if they don't, they kind of feel like they're falling. I, I don't know what's all behind that, but I know that uh, Mary uh, wrapped the Lord Jesus Christ as every other human baby in all the world. Of course, He was both God and man together, but don't neglect His humanity. He was born into the world screaming and crying like every other baby. They had to wipe all the gook off of Him. 
And they had to wrap him in swaddling clothes. And I want you to think for a moment that the God of eternity that created every star and every moon and every galaxy and every solar system and every ocean and every mountain and that sustains the very breath that you are breathing tonight, that same God made himself so vulnerable as to be born into the world and wrapped in swaddling clothes. But I want you to think for a moment that this too, this phrase, is a bit of foreshadowing to the end of His life. You see, Jesus was the one who was born to die. For at the end of His life, can you remember this in the text? Now, the Bible says that after Jesus gave up the Spirit, in fact, before that, he said, he said, it is finished, and He gave up the ghost or His Spirit in His life, and He died. And they took him down from the cross. And here comes a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. And he says, give me the body of Christ. I want to lay him in his tomb. And what did they do? They wrapped him in clothes. And in fact, when Mary and her friends are coming there into the, uh, into the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, they're going to work upon the clothes that Christ's body is wrapped in. This time, not a baby burrito of a sweet Lord Jesus in the manger, but most likely uh, rags and death and blood. And where once is the beginning of new life and new birth and a wonderful opportunity, now they're coming to anoint the body of Christ that is wrapped in the shroud of death itself. And when they go into the tomb, they see the grave clothes of Christ folded neatly at the end of the bed. And all of this is to remind us that when Jesus was born into the world, He was born to die for us. And when He goes to the cross, He dies and they put His body in the grave and He rose again so that you might have new life in Him. You might be in here tonight and you might be thinking about your life and uh, members of this church not even talking to visitors. If you're here tonight and you're visiting, certainly for you, but maybe even members of this church, maybe on this Christmas Eve for just a moment, you might be thinking about the last year and how tough and heartaches and trials and ups and downs. You might be thinking about your own sins and failures and shortcomings. And you might think, man, things did not start out, uh, things started out good, but it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. What I want you to understand is that Jesus was born into the world and died on the cross so to give you a new heart and a new life and to redeem you. And He loves you. And so when you wake up tomorrow and you celebrate the birth of Christ, you not only celebrate the baby in the manger, you celebrate the Lord on the cross and the One who rose from the dead. And He'll give you a new chance, a new life, a new heart, and new opportunities. Look back down at the text, just another point or so. Notice that it says, and they laid him in a manger. Now why don't you just pause there for a minute, and just so you know, I, I, a manger is kind of like a feeding trough. That might be a, another translation, right? Now I don't want you to think for a minute that somehow Jesus was like, like you know, when, when a lady's nine months pregnant, right, it, nobody's caught off guard. Yeah? You know something's going to happen pretty soon. And so it's not like they were just out there on the hillside somewhere and somebody said, hey, quick, grab a feeding trough. No, 
these instruments in Jewish household would operate in many different ways. So it was probably cleaned and uh, created a, a, a space with uh, hay there or some sort of uh, soft landing for, for Jesus to be laid in there as a baby. But I, here's what I want you to think about. The same Lord Jesus that rules and reigns with the Father and the Spirit and all of the glory of eternity humbled himself to be born into the world into a feeding trough. And in fact, doesn't the New Testament say this in the book of Philippians, that he humbled himself to death, even the death of the cross? The humility of the birth of Jesus is a foreshadowing of the humility of the death of Jesus. That when Jesus was born into the world, he was born naked. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died naked. And all of the shame and all of the guilt of all of the people in this room were laid upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And he died and rose again for us. I hope that you'll get this repeating refrain tonight and that you'll think about the birth of Jesus in light of His coming death and that that has been applied to your life. And because Jesus lived and died and rose again, you have new life. Let me show you one last thing and then we'll bring this time to a close and we'll sing together. Look at the end of verse number 7. Why they lay Him in the manger... Because there was no room for him in the inn. Because there was no room for him in the inn. Now, I, here's something that I want you to see. Uh, in, in our translation, when we say an inn, you might be thinking about something like the Holiday Inn or the Red Roof or Holiday Inn Express or some sort of hotel. That's not what that word means. It's not talking about you going into town and there's a hotel, a place to stay. Now, in Jewish households, nearly every Jewish household had an upstairs room that was called the inn or the room for a guest. And the way that you know that is the only other time that Luke uses this term here for inn is in Luke uh, 22, 11, where Jesus, right when He's going to have the Last Supper, right before He dies, interesting that both in His birth and His death, it comes up again. Right before He dies, He has one Last Supper with His brothers in Christ, right? And He tells them, go to the household of this man and tell him to prepare the room. Same word, the inn. The guest room. Now you say, why wasn't there room in that guest room for Jesus and His family? Well, in the few verses that were before that, did you notice that there was a census that was to be taken and all the people were to go back to their hometown? It's probably likely that when Mary and Joseph got there, there was already somebody, family member, Uncle Joe or Uncle Billy or whoever it was, all right? there was already somebody staying in that guest room. And there wasn't any room there. You say, well, where was Jesus born? Now, he wasn't born in a cave. and He probably wasn't born off of the hillside somewhere. No, most likely what the text is teaching you is that when Christ Jesus was born into the world, He was born in the living room of an entire family. With everybody there. And here's what I want you to know tonight. The Lord Jesus was born right in the middle of a family. Right in the middle of busy lives. 
right in the middle of kids doing homework and wishing they didn't have to do homework because Christmas break was coming and they wanted to throw it off. Right in the middle of people buying whatever it is that they do and preparing meals and doing all of that kind of... Jesus was born in the middle of the house. Not on a hillside. He was born right in the middle of the family. And this is what I want you to understand. The salvation of God that is found in Jesus isn't in some distant planet. It's not in some God that's beyond the far-flung stars of eternity. The grace and the redemption and the salvation and the presence of Jesus comes to you and your family right in the middle of everything that's going on in your life. And he says, here I am. At the end of Jesus' life, he tells his disciples to go and prepare the Last Supper, and he gets to that guest room, and once again, just like in his birth when he was born in the center of the family, so Jesus prophesies of his death, and he sits with his family in the upper room, and he says, this is my blood, this is my body, take, believe in me, I will give you new life. And you know what's interesting? After Jesus dies and rises again from the grave, for 50 days, He's with His brothers and sisters. And He rises up off of the Mount of Olives and goes into heaven and he tells them, I want you to wait here for 10 days until I send my spirit. And just guess where they're meeting. About 120 of them in Acts chapter number 1. When the Spirit of God comes to the family. They're meeting in the upper room. What I want you to know is that Jesus is in the center of your life right now. So when you wake up tomorrow, worship Him and hold Him at the center of your life and at the center of your family and the center of your church. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you feel, all of the trials, all of the turbulence that you're facing, I want you to know that Jesus is alive and well and He's with you right where you are right now. Jesus did not come to be born somewhere off to the side. Jesus came to be born right in the midst of busy people who were in need of Him. And when He died, He died for people who need Him. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Maybe you just take a moment to pray by yourself. Maybe you can see that scene there with me. Mary is great with child. They've never had a son before. They've never had children before. They don't know what they're doing. And they're nervous and fearful. And angels have spoken to them in dreams. And all of this is craziness. And God is about to be born into the world. And is right there in the house. Won't you invite him to be in your house tonight?
as you talk with your children and grandchildren and spouses and friends, maybe even in your own life, why don't you just meditate and think about Christ being at the center of your life and your family? Whatever you're struggling with, why don't you just give it over to Him right now? In His birth, in His life, in His death, and in His resurrection, Christ wants to be at the center of your life. I can think of no greater song for us to sing than Silent Night. And maybe our souls will be silented as we think about the goodness of Christ. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.